So this morning, let us learn from our father Abraham, our patriarch. And we will continue our series on Genesis. And this is the outline of Genesis, if you have forgotten it. It's about four great events and four great people. Um, and we are about the four great people, and we have been talking about Abraham, and we are on chapter 24, which is towards the end of the life of Abraham. You know exactly what Abraham had been through. He was called. He left his home uh, place to go to the promised land. And he has been through a lot by this time. And we pick up the story in chapter 24, where we basically see him at the end of his life. And, um, you know, our father Abraham practiced perseverance that maximizes potential. Do you, re, do, you, do you recall this message? This message was last week, right? Hello? Pastor Insong, pakiulit nga message mo, Brad. You know, uh, I, I, this is not an accident. I, I thought that, you know, if there's, per, if there's a person who practiced perseverance that maximized his potential, I really believe it's our father Abraham. And this morning, I'd like you to see that. Let's revisit what, what, what he went through, basically, and then see for ourselves that this person really persevered so that his potentials are realized. And Pastor Song shared with us last week the parable of the soil, the sower, right? Do you recall? Those of you who are not here, he talked about Four types of soil representing four types of hearts. And of course, the seed is the word of God. And there's a sower who sowed the seeds. And, you know, I used to believe that the parable of the sower was something only about evangelism. That, you know, the three hearts or the two hearts, we can argue against this. Um, the two hearts are not saved. The two hearts are saved. Or only one heart is saved. You know, I used to... I used to just debate this. But as I grew in my Christian life, I realized that the parable of the sower or the soil or the seed is not just about evangelism but about discipleship. I discovered that, you know, one basically goes through all of those. Once upon a time, I had a hard heart. Haven't you? Then somebody shared the gospel with me. My heart opened and then all of a sudden I experienced the shallowness of life. I didn't become a, a pastor right away. It took a long time before I, I was convinced that I have to do something about my Christian life. Of course, Pastor Joey came uh, much ahead of me in terms of being serious because he had a fertile heart, but I had a shallow heart then, okay? The children are here. I'm just trying to address them right now. Welcome to CCFLA. And I discovered that, you know, Abraham, our patriarch, went through all of this until he became the person with a fertile and responsive heart. You know, he, by faith, believed, and he opened his heart. And then, you know, he trusted God's way as he was going through his Christian life. He was not perfect. 
He made a lot of mistakes like most of us. But he learned. He learned that God's way is the best way and he trusted God's way. And then he also learned contentment as he was going along. And finally, he just kept growing and growing until he became the kind of person that we know him today. Basically, Abraham persevered to keep growing until he became what God wanted him to be. Say amen to that. It was a long process. And, you know, I, I am reminded of Philippians 2, 12 to 13. And I want you to take a look at your, your, your spiritual journey today and take comfort in this promise of God. In Philippians 2, 12 to 13, it says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more now in my absence, what does it say? Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for your salvation because you're already saved. But it says work out your salvation in fear and trembling. You know, I discovered that the Christian life, God is in charge, yes. Look at verse uh, 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I take comfort in this. You know, Debbie mentioned uh, earlier when we were singing uh, Philippians 1, 6, right? He who began a good work in you will perfect it. He will be the one to finish the work. But you know, at the same time, let's not be deceived that we don't have a role. We have a role. We have a part. While God is in charge and he will take care of completing what he started in us, God is also saying, hey guys, you have a part. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And that's why the message last week was about perseverance. And Abraham is a picture of a person who persevered. He worked out his salvation in fear and trembling, knowing nonetheless that God is calling the shots. Do you take comfort in that? You know, don't go to the extreme of saying, wala na akong gagawin because God is in charge. Wrong. That's the worst that you can do. You know, God will still perfect it, but you know what I discovered? If you take that stance, you're delaying, you're delaying the best that God can give you in your life. Genesis 24 is towards the end of Abraham's life. Pretty much like me. <laughs> Pretty much like... Uh, Where's Hill? There. You know, Hill is my favorite, okay? We are 60 years old already, so there are people much younger than us. And Genesis 24 is also about finding a wife for his only son, Isaac. Right? What a story. But, you know, it's, it's, it's deep, and I, I, I was so excited as I was going through this. And in verse 1, it says... Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and look at this. I really love this. Read this with me. The Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Now, I don't know with you, but if, I'm, if God is going to bless me in every way, every way, every way. Francis, do you like that? To me, 
That's a picture of full potential realized, isn't it? Come on, say yes. Come on, be excited. Really? You know, if God is going to bless me in every way, that to me is a picture of my full potential realized. Now, is God blessing you in every way already? You know, if you're honest, you'd say, not yet. One of these days, maybe. Or some of you will say, oh, yeah. I found my God's best. Isn't this also a picture of Abraham having God's best? You know, run that in your, in your, in your, in your, in your mind. And, and I really believe that Abraham, towards the end of his life, was blessed in every way, and he reached his full potential. You know what happens with blessed people? Blessed people blessed other people. Look at your life. If God will bless you many fold, you have no choice except to let this overflow and touch the lives of other people. Because blessed people bless others. What happened? Simply Abraham persevered in applying God's triangle of blessing. You know, you remember God's triangle of blessing? God being on top, and there's faith, and there's obedience. You know, Abraham went through this process. He trusted God. He believed in what God says, but more importantly, what did Abraham do? He obeyed. Look at me. He obeyed. He worked out his salvation in fear and trembling. He obeyed. And, you know, this, this cycle basically made Abraham progressively transformed to be the person that pleased God who alone could have given him the best because he was blessed in every way. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So this morning, um, God impressed upon me to speak, especially at the start of the year and hopefully the rest of our lives, to do something that is really meaningful to impact the way we live today. Is that okay with you? And the question that I want to pose to you guys is, do you want God's best? Ang hina, do you want God's best? Golly, so many people are dying to have God's best. And you know, and to have God's best, I want you to consider choosing God's will always. God's best is exactly what Abraham experienced. The Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Now, who blessed Abraham? The Lord. Many of us want the blessing from this world. Many of us want the blessing of our parents. Many of us want the blessing of our company. Many of us want the blessing of our career. Many of us want the blessing of our inheritance. Everything related to the world, but we miss the most important giver of blessing that can only give us the best. And that is 
the Lord. The Lord, the Almighty God, who creates the heaven and the earth. Nothing is impossible with Him. And if this God is going to be the one to give you the best, can there be anything better than that? Honestly, I can't think of anything. Because if the Lord is going to be the one to bless us in every way, wow, I think that's the best that we can ever have. Question is, do you like that? Or would you rather settle for the best that the world offers? Many of us are not aware because we're just so bombarded by the things around us that we miss that there is still yet better than what this world offers. And this morning, I'd like to shake you up a bit and make you see that, wow, for the way that you have lived today, I am 60, and I probably have, what, 10, 15 more years to go? But, you know, for the next 15 years of my life, I really would like to experience God's best still. For those of you who are younger, oh, man, the sooner you experience God's best, the better you're off. I'm looking at you young people today. You know, don't make the same mistakes as I did. You know, I could have experienced God's best earlier in my life. But when I met Grace, that was the best. Okay? Kita mo naman, huh? Arangkada, man. Okay? Right? Kiss. Hmm. You know, God's best. It's, it's almost like, wow, that kid, it's as if nothing's wrong with that kid and everything seems to be okay. And he's going to grow to experience all the things that God can give to this little, little baby. Full potential, full potential realized. So, this year and onwards, hopefully, young people, old people, all of you here, CCFLA, my prayer is you make this resolve. And the resolve is to do God's will always. Say that with me. Do God's will always. Have God's best. God's plans for you are always the best. Amen? You know, the world's plans may look good, but I submit to you, guys, God's plans for you are always the best. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You're very familiar with this verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. I was trying to get a picture of how to capture this. And I ended up with this picture. Okay? That's the same guy. You know, the guy on the left... It's not really looking as good, but it's the same guy on the right looking so good. You know, I thought of, hey, that's hope and future, isn't it? I'm not referring to the underwear, okay? I'm referring to the abs, okay? You know? That person actually changed. And if you look forward to what you can be, I kind of picture that this is the kind of picture that we all like. This is where we are, not so good, but we can become really, really good in the future. 
and only because of God's plans can that be possible. Romans 12.2. <clears throat> Actually, verse 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. You know what the will of God is according to verse 2? That which is what? Good, acceptable, and perfect. Many times we miss this because we, we'd rather settle for what the world offers us. But according to the Bible, hey, look, the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Again, I just want to show you this. Transform for the best. Okay? Sorry, ah. Wala akong maisip, eh. I wanted to put my picture there before and now, but there was a retrogression. So I could not use it. So I only can use this kind of picture to show you that if, if the plans of God kick in, believe me, we can be the best that we can ever be. So, let's pick up the story in Genesis 24. And I would like to start by saying, blessed people, meaning with God's best. I repeat, blessed people are those with God's best. And God's best, as I said, are those people who have God blessing them in every way. And those people bless other people. And that's what we see in the story of Abraham. In verse 2, Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned. Please place your hand under my thigh. Strange, you know? Place my hand under your thigh, okay? Uh, Mike, can you put your hand under my thigh? You know, that's, that's the way of what? Promising and shaking hands. Um, it's like committing to do something during that time, okay? So please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you, the servant, shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live. Blessed people, with God's best, bless others. Here's Abraham, blessed by God in every way. He had, he had no choice except to bless others. And he started with his son. Question. Oops, sorry. Question, what was the first thing Abraham did to bless his son? To get, eh? Who said that? Who said, yeah. Sanay na sanay ka, brother, no? Huh? To get him a good wife. You know, I realized, guys, uh, uh, parents, I realized that parents, are you here? You have children here, Right? I realize that the best way for you to bless your children is to find them the right partner. Young children, look at me. You're going to grow. And don't make the mistake of finding your own spouse. Get the help of your parents. Because your parents, amen kaagado. Your parents know better, right? Believe me, okay? Believe me, your parents know better. And, and make no mistake about it. You think you know, you don't. 
Ask Hill. Ask Pastor Inzong. Ask me. You know, ask Romy. Wala pa. So, he, he what? Abraham had no plan B as far as, as, far as his, his son is concerned, as far as his life is concerned. Only God's will and God's plan. So he decided to look for a wife for his son. And then he said to his servant, but you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. You understand that? You know, that's what he said his serv- to his servant. And the servant said to him, Suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land where you came from? Where you came? Then Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. What does that tell you? Abraham had no plan B. In other words, if you don't find a woman, that's it. I have no other plans except to find a woman for my son who is from my relatives and from my country. It's pretty much the same as the present day New Testament advice when singles are about to look for their spouse. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. Look at me, young people. When you grow old and you're about to get married, the Bible says you are not supposed to marry unbelievers. That's why you just have to come to CCF because all of the handsome and the beautiful uh, people are here in CCF. Okay? Right? You know, you're supposed to look for a spouse. When you look for a spouse, be sure that that best man, for example, is, is a follower of Christ. The Bible says, God's will for the best man. Do not marry a man who is not a follower of Jesus. Do not marry a man who is a liar. Nako. Who is lazy. Nako. Who is playboy. Who is currently an addict. Nako. Okay, guy, ladies, look at this list. And listen to your dad. If your dad tells you, okay, gusto ko, hanapin mo yung katulad ni Pastor Reggie, guapo. <laughs> Ba't kayo tumatawa? Ako lang ba yung naniniwala na guapo siya? <laughs> Pastor Reggie, asan ka? Ayun, okay. Ako lang ba yun? Ha, ako lang? Oh, ako lang nga. <laughs> okay. Ako lang nga, ako lang nga. Now, if you're a man, Sabi ni God, do not marry a woman who is not a follower of Jesus. Kailangan believer. Dapat daw hindi prima donna. See, I don't even know what prima donna wins. Yung ba si Donna ano? Donna ano? Sino? Madonna. Dapat daw hindi materialistic. Okay? Nako. Alam mo? No, no, ladies in our young group in CCF are like that. Ha, ha. Hindi controller daw. CFO. Okay? Tapos, hindi rin lazy. Alam mo, you know, if there is something that we can bless our children with, parents, help them choose their mate. 
And young people, please, don't think you know. Ask your parents. Eh, pag tinanong ko daddy ko, sabihin niya, ah, ang liit. <laughs> Actually, yun ang sinabi ng parents ni Grace sa akin. <laughs> Pero, oh, kita mo naman. Ha? 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 Kayo talaga. Let's continue before I get sidetracked. Abraham knew and trusted only God's plans and promises to him. He had no plan B. So he continued, sabi niya, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, who spoke to me and who swore to me, saying, To your descendants, I will give this land. He will send this angel before you, and you will take a wife for my son there. See how confident Abraham is? Because God is with me, because God has always been my guide, and I always trust only in God's plans, God will send an angel to guide you. That's what he told his servant. What do you call that? Trust, confidence in the plans and the promises of God. What about you? Do you know God's promises and plans for you? And therefore, trust them, and that you yourself have no plan B's? Or the plan B's and C's and D's of the world are coming in quick to destroy the promises that God has given you. Wake up. There shouldn't be any plan B as far as Christians are concerned. Only God's plan. No plan B. Only God's, only God's will to have God's best. Why? The enemy of God's best is not what is bad. I will repeat. The enemy of God's best is not what is bad. Because what is bad is so obvious. Right? Ay, bad yan. Maliit yan. Itimpa. Okay. You know? You know? The enemy of God's best is not bad. You know what the enemy of God's best is? That which is good. Pwede na yan. Okay yan. Oh, this is... Mom? He's handsome. Dad, tang mo naman. Mas maganda pa kay mami. Ito mo naman. See, the enemy of God's best is what is good. Do not settle for anything less than God's best, okay? And this morning, we will know what God's best is. And if we crave for it, I will also tell you how to get there. Is that a deal? Would you, give me, would you give me another hour to explain this? Right? Don't rush because this is something that is really very important. You know, we can miss any message except this message because this will dictate how we will behave the rest of our lives. Is that a deal? Okay, so one o'clock, okay? Genesis 24, 8 to 9. No compromise whatsoever. Only what God wants and wills, okay? So in verse 8 and 9, um, the servant said, but if the woman is not willing to follow you, sorry, Abraham said, but if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this, my oath. Only do not take my son back there. See? In other words, if you don't find a woman, come home. Don't leave him there. Okay? So the servant placed his hand under the tie of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. And we continue. We continue in Genesis 
uh, 24, verse 10 to 11, that the servant took 10 camels from the camels of his master and set out with a variety of good things of his masters in his hand. He arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. What is this telling us? You know, God's will enables. God has a will for us, and that will enables, and it causes all things to work together for good. You understand that? You know, God has a will for us, and that will is always the best. And if we believe in that will, he's going to make sure that that happens. You understand what I'm saying? Many times we are so restless and impatient that we go ahead of God. And we settle for other better things other than God. But as far as the servant is concerned, um, you know, God allowed the servant to do exactly what he needs to do. What did the servant do? He took 10 camels. Why 10 camels? Why not one? You know, a camel is a what? It's a picture of wealth. So he took 10 right away. Why? To give the impression that yung amo ko mayaman, boss. Okay? I will bring so many camels there so that the person that I will meet in that land will be impressed with my master. See, who, who caused that to happen? Why did he choose 10? I think God influenced the servant to pick up 10. Remember, Abraham did not even tell or instruct the servant. The servant just did what he had to do. Not only did he get 10 camels, he got a variety of good things of his masters in his hand. He rose and went to Mesopotamia. What else did he do? He made the camels kneel down where? Outside the city by the well of water at evening time. You know, he knew exactly what to do. He was very intentional and he knew exactly where to find the women, in other words. Because at, those, at that time, the women, where do the women go? They go by the well and pick up water. So if you're going to choose someone, you better be there at the right time, at the right place. That's exactly what happened. So in, um, in 12 and 13, uh, before we read that, I would like you to see that we need to pray for God's will. Yes, there's no question about that. We should ask God for God's will, but we have to do our part. We just don't keep praying and praying and praying. Lord, tagal-tagal ko na nagdadasal. Wala pa rin. Ang tagal ko nang pinadala sa'yo, hindi mo naman pinansin eh. No? You have to do your part. You have to be aware. So, he said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today. He was praying. And show loving kindness to my masters, to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. He prayed, but he did his part. He put himself in a position where he will be able to find the ladies for Isaac. Now, may it be that the girl to whom I say, please let down your jar so that I may drink, and who answers, drink, and I will water your camels also, may she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. What was he doing? He was, he was really praying to God, and he was setting the rules Okay, as far as what God will confirm. Um, and by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. In other words, when you pray, be specific. Lord, dapat matangkad. Dapat maputi. Dapat atinista. Yung mga taga-UP kasi 
Be specific. So you know for sure when God answers. Right? Guapo. That's how she liked me, by the way. Only my school. Fifteen. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with her, uh, came out with her jar on her shoulder. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. You see, God's timing is always perfect. <laughs> when you pray, and it's really what God wants for you. Believe me, his timing is always perfect. Never late nor early, but the timing is perfect. So in verse 17 and 19, um, be aware. When you pray, wait for confirmation. Listen to God, listen to authorities, and listen to circumstances. That's exactly what happened. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly lowered her jar to her hand and gave him a drink. Now when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. What's happening here? Exactly what he prayed for happened. You see, when God, when God confirms, he is so specific. And what you pray for exactly is going to happen if it is God's will. If it is God's will. You understand what I'm saying? So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw. She drew for all his camels. Um, meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. Do you realize how many camels were there? Ten. And according to Pastor Peter, who gave this message, and I heard him give this message, he said that, you know, each camel was supposed to drink four gallons of water. Okay? And if there were ten camels, Rebecca had to draw 40 gallons. Nako, patay. Can you do 40 gallons of water for your uh, Prince Charming? Sabi niya, no. Okay? Alay, see. Masipag! 40! No? I could just imagine the muscles of Rebecca or something like that. Okay. Be alert for confirmation. Listen to God. Be alert for confirmation. So what did Rebecca do? Right away, she drew water for 10 camels. That's a confirmation because that's the prayer. When, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing 10 shekels in gold. And she said, Whose daughter are you, please? Tell me, is there room for us to lodge in your father's house? What was he doing? He was still getting for confirmation. You know? Keep on asking for confirmation to know God's will. And in, um, in Genesis 24 to 25, God confirms with clarity and perfect timing. And she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Again, she said to him, we have plenty of both straw feed and room to lodge in. What a confirmation. Then the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master and for me. The Lord has guided me in the way 
to the house of my master's brother. See, folks, when God confirms, what do you do? Acknowledge right away. Give the glory to Him and thank Him. Many times, many times we are so blind about what's going on. And you know, God only wants our heart of thankfulness to give Him the glory all the time. If we fail to do that, God is not pleased because God will look at us and say, don't you trust me? Don't you even think that this is the best that I have for you already? Once confirmed, do your part, act and move. Okay? That's what the servant did. So the man entered the house, then Laban unloaded the camels. He gave the straw and feed to the camels, water to wash the feet and the feet of the men who were with him. When the food was set before him to eat, he said, I will not eat until I, I have told you my business. And he said, speak on. At this point, the chapter is so long, I don't have the time to go through it. The servant relayed exactly what he discussed with Abraham and what prayer he had for God, and all of those were confirmed. He shared that with the parents of Rebekah, and the parents of Rebekah understood the mission that the servant had, and they agreed that this is really the, the message from God, and Rebekah was the person that Isaac is supposed to marry. And once confirmed, do your part and move. So now, if you're going to deal kindly with, um, deal kindly and truly with my master, and tell me, and tell me if not, let me know that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Then Laban and Betuel replied, "The matter comes from the Lord, so we cannot speak to you bad or good. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken." Once God confirms it, do your part. Move right away. And in Genesis 24, 57 to 58, and they said, we will call the girl and consult her wishes. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So God's best for Isaac through Abraham, done. Why? Because Abraham followed God's will. So if we follow God's will, we will have God's best. You know, Isaac's best came because he, like his father, chose to do God's will. And because of that, the rest is history, folks. Abraham the, became the father of the great nation, and we are all here today because our patriarch chose God's will to have God's best. Say amen to that. We will not be here if those people did not choose God's will and stuck with it and had no plan B. Am I making sense? So, we ought to do no less. If those people wanted God's will, uh, God's best, and they had it, by choosing God's will, folks, look at me. We today ought to do no less. This is where my message will begin. That was just the intro. You like me to continue? Make this your resolve. Do, do God's will always to have God's best. Say that to each other. Do God's will always to have God's best. I know you want God's best. I don't need to ask you. But many times, we want God's best, but we don't know what to do, honestly. 
we make mistakes all over the place. We fall down. We, we stand up. We do it all over again, repeating the same mistake. We make New Year's resolution, fail all over again, do the same thing over and over again. Sounds family? You know? Today, I would like you to put an end to that. And I would like you to do God's will always to have God's best. Question. How do we make this, re this a reality today in God's new covenant of grace in Christ? That was the Abrahamic covenant. Okay? He was the father of a great nation. That was the promise for Abraham. But today, we have a new covenant. And the new covenant is the grace in Christ. My question to us is this. How do we do God's will always to have the best in this day and age where the covenant of grace is in Christ? This is deep, guys. If we miss this, we will keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I'm excited because I was given the privilege by Pastor Rinzong to share this with you at the start of the year. And it's not an accident. You know, when he gave me the topic, choosing God's best. Oh, okay. Although it was only talking about a bride for Isaac, I thought of expanding it. And he gave me the license to do it. Right, Pastor Rinzong? Okay. I thought of saying, hey, why don't, why, don't I, why, don't, why don't I share this? How do we make this a reality today in God's new covenant of grace in Christ? First, first, we have to know for sure what God's will is in this new covenant of grace in Christ. If we don't know God's will... What are we going to do? What are we going to pursue? You know, I tell you, do God's will always to have God's best. Okay, let's close in prayer. Is that going to help you? No. You have to know exactly what God's will is in this day and age for you to be able to pursue it. No end and persevere till you realize your full potential. Say amen to that. Amen. We have to know what God's will is. So, if I tell you, do God's will always to have God's best, what is this will exactly? You want to know? God's will are His commands that we ought to obey. Bien, getting heavier, huh? Oh, see, Bien said, nah, still okay. God's will are his commands that we ought to obey. Yes or no? But there are so many commands of God. Which ones are they? Do we pick and choose? Really? Sean, no? What do you mean, Sean? You're going to obey all? Oh, wow, I like him. Huh. All of them are God's will and plans. But pastor, ang dami niyan. Yung isa nga lang, hirap na hirap ako eh. Lahat pa yan? You're actually telling me to fail, pastor. There's so many. I can't even, I can't even fathom how I'm going to obey all of them. But here's, here's where the, the depth really and the beauty is. If the commands of God are God's will 
Therefore, we should obey and do all of them. I know you're uncomfortable. I know you're asking yourself, is that really doable? You know, bear with me. God's will are His laws. And His laws are designed for our best. If they're designed for our best, then we have to obey them, all of them. But that's so overwhelming, overwhelmingly hard, Pastor. And you know what, Pastor? That will explain why many of us opt out and hardly experience God's best. Because we never condition our minds to be able to say, oh, I will never be able to obey. So I will just stay where I am and God will understand. Wow, you know, trust me. That can be tragic and that can be a wrong position that you can take. I, 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 would, like, I would like to submit to you that that's not only hard but impossible, yes? But you know what? With the Holy Spirit, that is not impossible. And that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit in the first place. Because we have the Holy Spirit, it is not impossible. Not if we see the big picture. Oh, really? There is a big picture? Yes. I've seen this big picture and it helped me and my wife. Not if we see the big picture of obedience to all. So, God's will are all of God's commands and we're supposed to obey them. And we can only obey all of them if we see the big picture of doing God's will, which is obedience to all. Here's where we can help you based on our experience and journey in teaching others to obey all. Um, God, for some reason, gave me and Grace the opportunity to really know and practice this. Practice what? Teaching others to obey all. Regardless of how impossible it sounded, we understood that it is what God wants and therefore it is something that we ought to do. And we tried it. And this message is a sharing from that experience because we want you to be able to see the big picture. We want you to be able to say to yourself, oh, wow, that's doable if we understand it the way you understand it from the big picture. And I am not at all suggesting that we have obeyed all, okay? I am imperfect. My wife and I still have a long way to go. And we are not suggesting in any way that we have obeyed all already. And that we have God's best already. No. But the process we are going through indicates that, hey, maybe we're in the right track. And I would like to share that with you. That's not only hard, but impossible, but not with the Holy Spirit who enables. It's actually just that. Just that. Just what? That we have understood, Grace and I, and saw how doing God's will actually worked in the last two years of our ministry when we intentionally discipled potential leaders to start disciple-making movements in North America and Canada. I cannot deny this. 
I saw God work. I saw God moved. I mean, you are part of it. Just take a look at CCF Los Angeles five years. We have grown and we will continue to grow. Say amen to that. Amen. And that's a result of disciple making efforts that we did. And Prince Albert, three years. Vancouver, one and a half years. Mike, have you been to Vancouver lately? I thought you were going, okay? Never mind, never mind, okay? But you visit them, okay? Toronto, one year. After one year, this guy, Pastor BJ, has transferred to three locations already. Wala pang one year. Okay? And then, lately, CCF Edmonton, two months old. Look at that. I mean, how can I question that? This is God moving. In other words, great works of God amidst people who what? Who do God's will to obey all. All we agreed to do was, hey guys, let's obey God's will and let's work on obeying all without any excuses. That's hard. That's impossible. No, with the help of, the, with the, with the help of God, no. And you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, there's more to it than meets the eye. You know, when we say doing God's will to obey all, sounds big. But if you look deeper and you understand what's beneath it, guys, you'll be able to do it. Trust me, because we were able to do it and many people are beginning to do it. And I have no doubt that we will be able to do it. Doing God's will or obeying all of his commands, note, requires much more. What is that? Here's where I want to go slow because I want you to get this. Doing God's will and obeying all of God's command requires that you know about general will of God and the micro will of God. There is a general macro will of God, big picture, but there is also a specific micro will of God. You understand what I'm saying? So for us to be able to obey all and do God's will, all of his commands, you should be able to differentiate between the general will and the specific will. And there is a connection between the two of them that needs to be understood and embraced. Really? Yeah. There's a connection between the big picture and the small picture. And when you get that connection, you will say, wow. As I said, wow. You will say, wow. Failing to do so will result in the inability to obey all. Are you ready to see the connection? Are you still with me? I'm, I'm going very slow here. And indulge me, please, even if I go over time. Because this will spell a big difference in having God's best or having God's average and mediocre. Specific versus general. Micro versus macro. You know, did you know that there's a micro command for husbands? Did you know that there's a micro command or specific command for a wife? Did you know that there are specific micro commands for children? There are micro commands for parents. 
micro-commands for employees, micro-commands for employers, and micro-commands for singles. Hello. Micro. Specifically what? Directed to you. Okay? And there is a micro-specific command for everybody. And that's what I call the Ten Commandments. Okay? I'm just giving you the big picture. So there, is, there, is, there are micro, micro. Continue. While we want to obey this micro, they are burdensome and hard. Right? <laughs> Husbands, love your wives sacrificially to the point of dying for them. Nick. Wives, submit to your husband in everything as unto the Lord. He is your leader. Nick. Bagal-bagal. Parang pagong. I heard somebody said that, okay? Look, the commands of God are there, yet we struggle. Why? Because we don't understand the big picture. We know the specific, but we're missing the big picture. Driving straight into doing the specific micro-commands of God often leads to frustrations and discouragement. Like New Year's resolutions where we fail to succeed doing. Say amen to that. Amen. You know, I know your heart. I know you know the specific command for God that God wants you to do in your specific areas. I know you want to do them. But yet, you fail over and over again. Tao lang po. Hindi po tayo perfect. Mike, that's not the will of God. Dalawang Mike. The will of God is for you to obey. What are we missing? Unless and until we understand the connection between the general and the specific, we will not be able to obey all the specifics. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I, am I connecting so far? Unless you understand the connection. We will almost always give up doing the specific micro and end up failing, disappointed, giving up and saying, I cannot do this. If you can't do it, then don't expect God's best, guys. But if you want God's best, you need to be able to understand this to move on and be successful in the life that God has laid out for you. The connection. Okay. What's the connection? Ito ang connection. And you can debate me. Okay? The connection is this. The specific command are aimed or trained at attaining the general macro will of God that will result in God's best for those who obey them. Really? You know the specific command? Love your wife in a sacrificial way as Christ loved the church? As hard as it is, that's trained for you to attain God's general macro command. What is that general macro command are you talking about, pastor? Yeah, there is. When you understand that, then you will be okay. Before going for the specific, 
Know that doing them leads to God's best, God's best for you. You know, you know how hard it is to love your wife sacrificially to the point of death? Come on, come on, guys. Come on. Uh, she's laughing, okay? You know, you know how hard it is? But if I tell you, hey, if you do that, God's best will be for you. Oh, siyempre, di okay. Di ba? Oh, let's put it very more, even more specifically. Ulrich, I'm going to give you one billion dollars if you start loving Beb sacrificially, unconditionally, beginning today. Amadali yan. You know, if you know the motivation for the hard commands that God gives you, I think you'll be able to do it. Say amen to that. So, the connection is very simple. Before going for the specific, know that doing them leads to God's best and great motivation for you. Now, God's best is hinges. God's best, rather not is, hinges upon His general macro will or purpose. If you want to know God's best, it is connected to His general will. And I want to go to that right now. God's best is when we are blessed in every way, right? Remember Abraham? Hello? That's God's best. Blessed in every way. That's exactly like when all things work together for good. You agree? If all things work together for good in your life, is that God's best? Ang hina, parang di kayo kumbinsido. You know, blessed in every way. Every way. And then, all things work together for good. For those in Romans 8.28. I think that, that is God's best. And you know what? It hinges upon God's big purpose. And that big purpose to me is something that I would like to discuss. But before that, I want to show you that there must be something similar about Abraham and those of Romans 8.28. There must be something that Abraham did and those in Romans 8.28 where all things work together for good and God blessed them in every way. What is the common denominator? They were both called for God's general macro purpose. Abraham, for the old covenant, it is to be the father of a chosen nation. Claro. You know, God called him to be the father of a chosen nation and nothing will stop God from making that happen. And everything that Abraham did was for that purpose. What about today for the new covenant where Jesus is? You know, it is to become conformed to the image and likeness of his son. Old covenant, father of a great nation, new covenant, God's general will is for you to become like Christ. If you understand the connection, then you will begin to be able to link and make this work. For us today, God's general will is Christ-like maturity. See that? Clearly, we see that openly declared in Romans 8, 28 and 29. Look at Romans 8, 28. Being God's best. What is Romans 8, 28? For we know that God causes all things to work together for good. That's God's best. To me, there's nothing else I can ask for except that. 
If I can only have that, I can handle anything in life. Say amen to that. Nothing more. Not even a million bucks. Believe me, a million bucks will dwarf in comparison to that promise that all things will work together for good. That's verse 28. And verse 29 is the condition to have God's best. For God to cause all things to work together for good, verse 29 specifically says what is the condition. Let's take a look at the whole verse. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Look at verse 29. Those whom He foreknew, He predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn of many brethren. That's God's general macro will, Christ-likeness. So, for us today, okay, for us today, the general macro will is Christ-likeness, and that is found in Romans 8, 28, 29. <clears throat> Sorry. Specifically, what is biblical Christ-likeness? I have been sharing this with you over and over again. And to me, if we don't know what Christ-likeness looks like, we will never be able to connect the specific from the general. Okay? Remember, we have specific commands. And I'll go, I'll go, I'll go into illustrations in a, little bit, in a little while. What is biblical Christ-likeness? Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Those of you that we have been spending time with, I know you have memorized this. Let's read this together, shall we? What is Christ-likeness? Do nothing... Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Specifically, God's general macro will for us is to become Christ-like. And biblically, Philippians 2, 3 to 8 tells us specifically what it is. And it is simply selfless humility to the point of death. Sounds very simple, but extremely difficult. You and I were designed we're saved by God to become more and more selfless and humble, Mike. If you and I are not headed in that direction, sorry, we're not accomplishing God's general will. And you know why God gave us specific commands to obey? Precisely to shape us, to mold us into that general will of becoming selfless and humble. Let me be very specific. God's will is the best for us. Look at this. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We know what God's will is. It is good, acceptable, and perfect, right? Which is what? God causing all things to work together for good, which is being blessed in every way, right? But before we can get there, there is a condition. He said, guys, stop being conformed to this world. Stop that. That's not good. You are settling for not the best, but the good. Instead, God said, renew your mind. Wow. Renew your mind. 
And then what? Be transformed as you renew, renew your mind. Again, the funny picture. I want to show you this. The picture on the left is a picture who's conforming to the world. He's becoming fat. He doesn't know what's good for him. But the picture on the right is the person who's becoming transformed and conformed to the image and likeness of God. Transformed for the best. And that's transformed for being Christ-like. You know, we just don't get the will of God just like that. There is a part that we have to do. We need to stop conforming to this world and we need to be transformed. How is that going to happen if we're just going to remain passive? There's got to be some intentionality to it before it happens. So, the specific versus the macro. Let me share that with you again. Let's talk about micro of the husband. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That easy? <laughs> but you have to do it. Those of you who are struggling to do it will not do it unless you see that this is designed to make you Christ-like so that when you are Christ-like, you are pleasing to God and when you're pleasing to God, God will give you the best. You understand what I'm saying? So, if you say, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water. Oh God, this is so difficult. But if I tell you, this command, when you obey it, will transform you into a kind of husband that will become selfless and humble. Believe me, you will enjoy God's best. You know, how can you love your wife sacrificially if you're selfish and proud? Tell me. You can't. Right? But if you are selfless and you regard the other person as more important than yourself, then you can. Trust me. Believe me, you can. I have seen this happen in the couples who were discipling. At first, they were very, very hesitant. I know a couple here who said, at the first session, who said, Pastor, ayaw na namin ang hirap nito. I'm ready to give up. But fortunately, they continued. And look at them now. Do they have a sweet relationship? Have they been transformed into Christ-like people so that they're now having better relationship? Headed for the best? Guys, this micro, okay, aims to achieve the macro. The macro is for you to become Christ-like, to be pleasing to God, for God to give you the best. And unless you understand that, you will never obey the micro. What about the wife? Wives, be subject to your own husband, the son to the Lord. Nako, tell me, if you are selfish and proud, will you subject yourself to your husband? Mas magaling pa ako dyan eh. Mas malaki pakita ko dyan, no? At ako magsasubmit. You see, Believe me, only, only when you become Christ-like, only when you obey it, because you know that that's going to transform you for God to make you Christ-like, humble and selfless for you to become the best, will you do it even if it kills you? Remember what, what Christ-likeness is? Selfless humility to the point of death. Jesus Christ died on the cross doing 
what he didn't like to do. Was he selfish? No, he was selfless. All he was thinking about is you. Your salvation. That's why he went to that cross. And God, what does God want us to be? Just like his son. And when we become like his son, we will have the best. The best, I guarantee you. To transform the wife to be Christ-like, selfless and humble. What about children? Children, hello. You're texting, hello. <laughs> children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Is this easy? No. My parents, oh, they only, they only give me a lot of commands that really irritate me. You know, they're very selfish. Oh, no, no, no. You are selfish. When you start to obey your parents, even if you don't understand their command, that is pleasing to God. In fact, the promise is there so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on earth. What is this micro-command aiming to do? Children, to transform you into Christ-like children, selfless and humble, so that when you grow up, you will deserve the best because God is so pleased with you. You are being transformed day to day as you obey those specific commands that God has directed to you specifically for you. Look at me, children. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you want the best, be transformed. Parents, may command din sa atin. Okay? Sabi ng mga bata, yes, 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 yes. Fathers, I don't know why it's called to the fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What is this for? You know, to transform you to become parents who are selfless and humble. Not just doing what you want for the sake of your name and legacy. No. You're going to do it for the sake of your children so that they will become Christ-like themselves as you model Christ-likeness to them. What will that do? Transform parents to be Christ-like, selfless, and humble. I repeat this thing over and over again until it sinks into you. Because if you don't get the connection between the specific and the, and the, and the big picture, you will never be able to obey all. Trust me. What about employees? Those of you who have business, those of you who are rich, what, do, what does the Bible say? Slaves, be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart. Again, I don't have the time to go through this. This is all about what? Transforming employees to be Christ-like, selfless and humble. Let's talk about employers, okay? Masters, do not do the same to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. I can go on. The same thing. Transform employers to be Christ-like, selfless and humble. Want me to go on? It's the same thing. The pattern is very clear. There are specific commands given to each and every one of us. What about singles? Do not be bound together with unbelievers. Please, make no mistake. Pero guapo, pastor eh. Ang ganda. Meron nga akong kilala. Godly, pero pangit. Okay? Yung pangit, hindi magiging guapo. Pero yung unchristian na guwapo, pwede maging Christian. You see, 
if you don't obey this command, what are you trying to tell God? I am selfish and I'm proud. I want what I want. But if you obey this command, you are going to transform yourself into a single person, Christ-like, selfless, and humble. Am I communicating? And I would like to end. Christ-like maturity necessitates a practical process of transformation. It doesn't happen overnight. It needs breaking conformity with a selfish, proud world to be progressively transformed towards a selfless humility of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? It needs a practical process. It's not enough to say, okay, from now on, I will be Christ-like. No, it doesn't happen, folks. You have to be part of a process. A process of breaking conformity with the selfish world towards transformation to become the selfless, humble, Christ-like person that you can be. From world-conformed to being Christ-transformed. Say amen to that. Amen. Not instantly. Persevering process of change towards Christ-likeness is not attained by just desiring, but doing and being. Desire is not enough. You have to do your part. You have to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And I'm so glad that here in CCF, we're so clear about that. We're not here to just have information, but we're here for transformation. God's prescribed way towards Christ-likeness is the Great Commission. The Great Commission. It's been there all along. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Also known as intentional disciple making. Specifically verse 20. What does verse 20 say? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And what's the promise? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And you know what? You know what God's best is? God's presence with you always. If God is with you always, will everything, every step of the way be okay? Will all things work together for good? Yes. Come on. If God is with you and for you and wants you to accomplish what he wants you to become like Christ, he's going to make that happen. Believe me. But if he's not with you, nah. It's not going to happen. Teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded. Obedience to all leads to being like Christ. Christ is selfless and humble to death. I discovered that the more you obey, the more you humble yourself. The more you die to yourself, the more you become like Christ. Guys, Jesus obeyed all, didn't he? Did he obey all? So if we are going to be the apex, if Jesus is going to be the apex, then young people, you have no choice. You have to obey all because Jesus obeyed all. We need to learn to obey all. 
making disciples is the way to Christ-likeness, which leads to God's best. Sorry, we can obey all if we teach others to obey all. This is the lesson I've learned. Unless you teach someone to obey all, you cannot obey all. Unless you're discipling someone to teach, unless you're teaching someone to obey all, you cannot obey all. I will repeat, unless you're, unless you're teaching someone to obey all, you're not going to be able to obey all. Don't, don't just say, I will obey all. Sige, basta. No, it's not going to happen. It is only going to happen when you teach someone to obey all. Only when you teach one to obey all can you start to obey all to be like Christ. Our last two years' experience have been our best. And this proves that God's best is only possible if we pursue and do God's will for us. You know, at this point, I would like to share with you God's plan and will for me in grace. My wife and I are in this stage of our lives. And God has really intervened and spoke to us. As early as July last year, we have been um, given this input. And we're not surprised because I think it is really God's hand and God's direction. Um, Grace and I will move back to CCF Manila to help in intentional disciple-making of potential leaders who will plant CCF satellites in other countries. Yes, I'm going back. Sabi ni Hill, yes! Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Hill. Starting January 2016, this, this month, I'll be leaving on the 15th, and Grace will be leaving on the 23rd, and we will start our new phase of really seeking and obeying what God wants us to do. God has made us effective in helping other leaders to start other movements in Canada specifically, and also here in the U.S. And I think God wants us to move there to be able to help in the other countries as well. And who am I to say no? I don't like the traffic. I don't like the heat. I, I honestly am having second thoughts. In fact, I am scared. Um, scared, yes, but it is God's will, and so we must obey it to have our God's best. And I really believe that going there with all of the uncertainties will put us in a situation where we will have to just depend on God's presence in our lives. So we ask for your prayers because we believe that this is God's will for us. And if it's God's will, we only have to obey and do as he commands. So I really believe that just like us, you too will shine in God's best as you choose to always do God's will and to become like Christ. How does that happen? Well, shine. Shine the light of Christ in the years ahead. Intentionally disciple your family. Teach them to obey all to become like Christ who obeyed all. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for really allowing us to be able to know and understand what intentional discipleship is all about. And Lord, I pray that uh, 
I have been able to communicate to these people that we love so much the secret to experiencing your best, which is to cause your presence to be always with us, to enjoy it, Lord, to the fullest as we become more and more like your son, which is your general will for us. Father, help this truth sink deep into the hearts of each and every one of us here so that truly, Lord, your will will be accomplished in our lives. And like Abraham, who was blessed in every way, I pray that you will bless every single person here, be blessed in every way when they see you face to face. Lord, bless CCFLA, bless Pastor Insong and Lynette and all of the people here to bring this group into a level, Lord, where your presence is going to be felt by more and more people changing lives for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.